I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Can You Imagine podcast, a show about people that have dared to imagine something different and by so doing, added value to the world around them, boldly going where few would dare to go. Each episode, I speak with somebody that has done just that as they take us through their journey from that first moment of asking themselves, what if, all the way through to fruition. My name is Chantra, and if you've ever asked yourself to imagine or been inspired by those that have, then you've come to the right place. The Can You Imagine Podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Scene, a news and event footage sharing app that you have to download because it's amazing. I have it myself and it's beautiful. Basically, if Instagram and Reddit had a baby that was adopted by Flipboard, then that would be Scene. So if you're tired of seeing selfies and food pics and want to see content that's catered more to your actual interests and not just who you know, then download the app in the App Store today. That's Scene, S-E-E-N, and you can check out the website, scenemedia.io, to find out more about it. Download it, tell a friend, tell a friend. Trust me, like this app is going to blow up like crazy, so get it today, Scene. Hi, uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Can You Imagine podcast. Uh, my name is Chansa, and uh, our guest today is Andre Sabo, who is the founder and CEO of Scene, and... Uh, to tell you a little bit more about Scene, I'll have to tell you a little bit more about Andre. Um, Andre, you want to take it away, Andre? <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll take it from here. All right, thanks, Chance. It's great to be here. So, um, all right, well, I guess we'll start at the very beginning, uh, a, a bit of background about me and then kind of what led around this journey on Scene and to where we are right now after just about a year of working on it. So, uh, I first moved to Canada from uh, Romania when I was five, uh, hopped around a couple of different cities. First lived in Winnipeg, which was terribly cold and no one should live there. And then moved to Montreal, which we viewed as the warmer city, ironically. Wow. And uh, pretty much did school there, went to university, CJEP, all that stuff. Um, most whoa, of, whoa, whoa, don't do it. I don't know. I'll get into a little bit more detail. Okay. So, I mean, um, throughout, I mean, my parents were both of like a science background. So I was always kind of nudged towards the direction of, you know, physics, math, things like that. Uh, so I was very close to kind of just going into either actuarial math or uh, or like mechanical uh, engineering. Uh, but I just kind of at some point realized it's, it wasn't for me. I was always more drawn to business and being able to create something and kind of orchestrating all the pulling all these different levers and being able to add value through, you know, some sort of a concept that you can apply and can control the entire the entire way. Um, so that's always what I was kind of itching towards. 
Then I went to university and decided I don't didn't really want to go into the sciences, mostly because I didn't pay enough. So I, I went into uh, to commerce and studied finance uh, with the ultimate goal of working for a bank. Um, where did you go to university? Uh, Concordia. Okay. Uh, and then I, I kind of realized that even though when I first joined like case competitions, which is kind of like the applied uh, business resolution, you know, you're given a case, you have a couple hours to solve it and come up with a solution. They have for different different focuses, right? And you could have gone accounting, you could have gone finance. And my first year, I decided to go into strategy. Okay. Because that's what I ultimately liked is being able to kind of have direction on how things get implemented. And even in my later years, every case I did, I realized I was always doing the strategic implementation and trying to figure out like how to best time things and what makes the most sense. So it's kind of like looking back, it makes sense, but you're just doing that at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I graduated in uh, end of 2010 mm-hmm. and started working in investment banking after that. Did three years of that, realized I hated it after the second year, like halfway through my second year. Um, when, just, did, what, when did when was like the moment of clarity or when did you realize that like, I hate this job? I mean, I had a, I had a really, really terrible boss for my first year, so I didn't really feel like that was a, a fair attempt at it. So I tried it again at a different bank mm-hmm. um, where I had like an amazing team. I liked everyone I worked with. I liked the material I was working on. I just didn't like my job. I just found it was very unfulfilling, generally kind of repetitive, boring. Uh, and you're not didn't feel like I was creating any real value that way. So um, just kind of got a little bit tired of it uh, after that. I'm sure like you were compensated well. I mean, yeah, but at a certain point, like money gets old very quickly and then you still want to wake up and enjoy what you're doing at work in the morning. So I left that uh, and got offered another position also within the bank at the time, mm-hmm. uh, working like kind of w- directly under a COO, of one of our divisions under like more strategic type work. Mm-hmm. Um and I liked several projects I was on. The problem is I kind of realized that a big firm, you know, those interesting projects are few and far between. And a lot of the stuff you tend to get put on is very tedious. Um, and so I decided I didn't want to do that either. And then after leaving that, I was like, okay, I could try another job in finance. But in the end, I know I'm just like cheating myself. I've, it's one of those things where if you really want to start something, you'll have always wanted to do it from a long time ago. So I finally decided to just go for it. That was in my getting towards my mid to late 20s. So I was like, it's time to try something. And, you know, if that fails, then I can go back and I'll die happy. At least I know I tried. Mm. Um, And so. So just to cut you off, would you say that like during your time in the bank, like you all like once you realize like, okay, I don't like this. Was it just one of those things where you you knew you were searching for something else but didn't quite know what it was or. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I was one of those people who had a, a clear idea of this is the business I want to build and I'm going to come and do it right away. It, it became a little bit more clear over time as I started working a little bit more and looking back at my past and kind of realizing that the habits that I had pointed me in this direction, but it definitely it was more hindsight as 2020, but it definitely was not visible at the time. But you knew you wanted to start a business. Exactly. And so initially when I first started, I, I was looking at, you know, things that I saw wrong with the sports environment or different other ideas. Like I had a list on my phone of things I was kind of into. Um, and it's actually the, the way I kind of came up with this was at one point I was having dinner with my girlfriend and I just, I was like, you know, we see all these pictures that people post and sometimes they look interesting, but I have no idea where they came from. It adds like no value for me if I want to go experience that myself. Um, as, unless I'm really close to them and I want to get in touch with them and ask them more details, it, it's all lost on me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it'd be really cool if we could see where these pictures come from and when they were taken. You know, if something just happened a couple hours ago, I'd like to see that. And so that was kind of the inception point mm-hmm. uh, and everything kind of just went across from there and I, I don't really know when I decided to focus away from the social to the news side um, 
but would you like me to, should i talk more about like exactly what scene is for us or just kind of the journey no, well, well, i mean like what i'm curious about is so after i guess you uh handed in your resignation mm. <laughs> the, the other the, okay the other okay we can edit that out <laughs> okay um i don't mind <laughs> uh like I, um what was that was what was your first attempt at was that like your first attempt like okay let me try this. So what was, what was your first attempt at trying anything business like, like starting a business? I didn't really go deep into the, the, the minutia of how starting a business, like getting incorporated, finding people to mm. develop all those things. I spent a lot of time really defining the concept uh, and understanding kind of what I wanted to do. But most of my time at that for the couple of months after, except for like the month I spent traveling, enjoying life a bit was just whoa, 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 like, don't, don't skip over that. The traveling and enjoy where'd you, where'd you go to? Like after you, uh, San Fran for one weekend, uh, California again for another one, probably back to Montreal. It was just nothing, nothing too big. I, so interestingly enough, actually, before I had taken my second job at the bank, uh, the, the one that was more strategy related, I'd already planned out a year long trip around the world hmm. to do after banking. And I had a full list of, I don't know, maybe 40 cities or 50 cities. It was just like everything was planned out with tabs and how much and what the checkout everywhere. Uh, and that's all I'd always really wanted to do. I mean, I had, I backpacked around Asia for six months, uh, after university. So I kind of wanted to go back and kind of live that lifestyle. And where in Asia did you everything except Korea and Japan, like all of the other ones. Okay. All of them. (laughs) So, um, I kind of wanted to go back and do that again, but at the same time I realized while that's going to be a lot of fun, uh, you know, the only thing that really gets you excited in the morning isn't just kind of go hiking again or whatever. It is the want to create something a little bit bigger. And I don't want to come back from something like that, having blown through a lot of my savings and then be forced to take a job I didn't like. I'd rather run the risk that I don't do that, but be able to put my, like, the capital money that I'd saved up towards trying to build something that was more aligned to, like, the dream and the life that I was trying to build for myself, not just the kind where you have to go to work every day. Mm-hmm. So. Did a little bit of traveling. Um, did you do the 40 tabs or whatever? Did you touch all those cities? No, no, no. When I, I literally just went to California for a little bit of time. Oh, okay. uh, I didn't do any of the big trips. Uh-huh. Uh, mostly because I actually just wanted to get back to work and, and see what I could build. So I spent most of that time just reading as many books as I could. I, I think over the first year, I went through over 40 books. Uh, and then Any uh, that stand out? Uh, I mean, the, the one that I told everyone else to read after that was Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Okay, um, good book. There's a couple other ones. I mean, I've been keeping notes on all of them. Um, I know everyone says read the Lean Startup. Um, I thought it was a bit long, but uh, the, the concepts are, are good to follow up there. Mm. Uh, but mostly because I didn't have a clear idea of what I was doing. I didn't want to have that time wasted just standing around brainstorming. So read everything I could about entrepreneurship, about tech, about building a company. Um, so that when I finally decide I, I've hit on something that I'm passionate enough about to invest my time in, I have the, you know, the tools and the knowledge or at least some sort of foundation that I can get the ball rolling from that point. Mm. Um, And so, again, the the first idea that I'd kind of focused on was something kind of sports-related. But interesting, like, looking back, I've never really been that passionate about sports. I don't really watch sports. Um, And so it definitely was not a real fit. And How far along did you go to start conceptualizing, like, a name? or? Yeah, I had a name, I had a logo, and I had a concept of how it would work. But uh, as you start going deeper into something, you kind of realize the simplest idea is actually extremely complicated all the time. Mm. Um, and so I started hitting some parts where I'm like, it's very, very difficult. And this was also at the time when the whole fantasy sports uproar was coming along, which mm. meant a lot of cracking down legally. So while this is an idea that probably could have gone off the ground more easily a year before that, at that point, it would be impossible to raise money because everyone's just kind of waiting to see what the laws are going to be like. So it would have been a lot of just 
twiddling my thumbs for the next six months to a year, which is not really what I wanted to do, especially about something I'm not that passionate about. Mm -hmm. And so again, I, I came back to this idea about figuring out where things were. And I looked back at that in banking, we, we generally don't get that much work until like six in the afternoon. That's one of the reasons why we're always there till like two in the morning. So a mm. lot, you have a lot of time during the day to kind of just read the news. Right. Um, and when there are big events that happen, whether they're terrorist attacks or whatever, I kind of realized that none of the organizations actually provide any real difference in like what they write. They all have virtually the same facts. Um, but some of them do have better video or photos or whatnot. Um, and that, that, that goes a long way towards really setting in your mind what that event was like and helping you kind of experience it. And I kind of realized that every time I was reading a story, I would just be cross-comparing all the different news sites that I could come up with if there was a story I was really interested in. And I wasn't reading their articles. I was just looking, do any of them have any different pictures or videos or whatnot? Um, and unfortunately, it's the, the ones that are a little bit more fast and loose with their editorial standards, the ones that embed things directly off of Twitter, that by doing that also are better able to tell the story. Right. And the other larger ones oftentimes would have the exact same picture, all of them. Which, you know, there's a reason why breaking news is kind of viewed as a commodity. But I started wondering, you know, uh, there's no way that there's not better footage out there of events. Um, and so to really rewind back about six years, I, I realized that I got my idea for this a long time ago, but I didn't know what I had it at that point. So in the summer of 2010, I was doing my internship at the bank. And in, where's this now? In, in, in Toronto. Okay. So I was at... Uh, it was, I mean, for context, it was at BMO, so it's right at the corner of King and Bay. Okay. Um, and this is when the G20 riots were happening. So, you know, as one does when they work at a bank as an intern, you're working on Saturday. Um, and we're there, we're just working away. And then we get an announcement on the thing saying, you can't leave. And then it started getting really hot inside because they had to turn off the ventilation because apparently it was like tear gas or something outside. Oh. So we're like, okay, there's crazy things happening outside. Why are we just sitting here at our desks? Let's go check it out. So we found a way to get into the trading floor, which is right at the corner of the street. Uh -huh. And I got these like pictures on my phone. Other people had newer phones at the time. I got some videos of the cop cars on fire, uh, you know, and they were kind of blowing up and whatnot with the riot police just walking through it. And I was like, wow, this is an amazing perspective and one that no photojournalist could have gotten because this was a closed off office building in the weekend. So it's something that unless they, people knew me or the four or five other people who were there with me, yeah, no one got to see that those, those so, footage. So is this the same? Because like there's the iconic image of the cop car on fire. This is the same yeah, moment, but just like it. from a different angle. Because I've seen that same picture from like the well, one. there were there were cop cars on fire all throughout the city, mm. but I think the the one that's well known is there. Mm -hmm. um, but the one that I had was while the riot police was also walking right by the cop car. It was just a really cool perspective of what was going on. And so, you know, this was at a time where I didn't really think, you know, how can I get this to news organizations or whatnot? Like Instagram didn't really exist. I think it had just come out. Yeah. Um, or maybe, it, no, yeah, before it even sold. And so I just kind of posted it on Facebook at the time. A couple of people saw it who were my friends, but that's all that happened. But out of curiosity, I'm like, I, I want to see what these large global organizations are covering uh and have for this story and when they come out with it and you know because social media wasn't as advanced they didn't really have much until the following day which is when their news cycle starts up again and i was checking the bbc i was checking cnn i was checking these other guys and they didn't have much you know the quality of the footage that they had really didn't add too too much mm. um and that that's always that's going to be a problem with any anything that depends on legitimate photojournalists yeah they'll have higher quality images but they're usually a couple hours late to get there right 
um, and and with cell phones having caught up to where they are now, you know that that image, uh, the benefit of the image resolution isn't as high as it used to be. So I kind of realized that, you know, you know, I had way more interesting footage of this event, and I even showed the journalist, and they agreed, than what the rest of the world was able to see about these riots for the G20. Right. How many other events are we seeing substandard? Uh, footage for and we're just kind of being robbed of the proper experience there's got to be a ton of local events that you never even know are going on because there's not enough coverage for them and even the global ones and so fast forward to i'm kind of thinking about this idea and i realized that i've had this experience in the past and in january of 2016 this is when i really decided i have to kind of work on this and understand what's going on so this is when um, I was subscribed to all the news organizations at the time on my phone to kind of see how their apps are set up and do some research and whatnot. And ISIS attacks uh, Jakarta um, sometime in early January. Mm-hmm. So I get all these news blasts, like breaking news notification, this bombs go off, but none of the articles have anything. It's just this breaking news banner that we've all seen right. and that persisted for a couple of hours. So I have a friend of mine who I went on exchange with who lives in Jakarta. So I messaged him right away on Twitter, uh, on WhatsApp, and I'm like, hey, is everything okay with you? Um, and literally six minutes later, he sends me back a full collection of pictures and videos of, like, the explosions going off, uh, firefights, uh, after effects. Just I had a full understanding of what was going on in that city mm-hmm. at a time when the, no one else in the rest of the world who was dependent on the news organizations could. Wow. And... I kind of realized that I I would keep following these news organizations and refreshing their sites and seeing when they came up with anything. And I realized that they were so desperate and underserved when the BBC ended up embedding or incorporating somehow uh, an Instagram video, which when it comes to news is a big no-no because you haven't verified it, cleared it properly and whatnot, but they were desperate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just shows, you know, as, as the readers, where we're not being properly served by the news because they don't have easy access to this type of content. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, as I kept thinking about what we're doing, I realized that, you know, the news back in the day, like way back in the day to have information, you have to know people. Right. And that's why the society always knew like everything that was going on and the lower people didn't. Right. And then news organizations came off to kind of like disseminate, they do the work, they find out everything and then they let everybody know to about the masses, it. Yeah. But now we've come back to a point with the penetration of social media and the speed that it has that, if you really want to see things that are happening and know what's going on around you, and especially in a timely manner, you're again dependent on who you know, right? And mm. what we're trying to do is kind of bridge that gap. And all the, whenever an event happens and everyone pulls out their cell phone, we want to be able to kind of help news organizations kind of get access to that. And so that, that was like the genesis of scene and the rest of it was a detailed uh, analysis of like how we can help news organizations and how we can design the app and whatnot. Interesting. So... So it, it sounds like scene is like a, a, like a multi-tier. So there's the news angle of it, right? Like the news aspect. And there's also, I guess, I don't know, the event yeah. aspect of it. Like it's all not just like a news app, right? Yeah. I, like when we when I first started designing and I was telling people what I was working on, uh, I was mostly like, oh, we're looking for newsworthy events. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some people that really like that idea. But I kind of realized while we were doing our beta test that uh, – the idea of newsworthy confused a lot of people. Mm. And they'd be like, I don't know if this is newsworthy. I don't want to post this. Um, and so it just ended like up... Like what is newsworthy, right? Exactly. Yeah. And while, you know, being at a, a cool store opening or a cool concert, like that is news. We've all kind of got this idea of our mind that news has to have fire and like blood mm. um, because that's what you assume is breaking news. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so a lot of people just wouldn't post anything. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to kind of shift away from that and really focus on just overall events. Uh, because that's really what's going on in a city like Toronto. There's really not that many crazy events that happen on any single day. So you wouldn't have enough content to support. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Apply all the, you know, six plus million people who'd want to know what's going on around them. Right. But if you make it all about events, then everyone can find something that they're interested in. And so that was kind of the shift. It's kind of in the same way where, you know, a lot of the stuff that news organizations find on Twitter, yeah, they go to Twitter and there is some good stuff on there, but most of it is also a lot of other discussion and some of it's not that interesting. But you have to you know, foster that type of engagement so you create a lot of content so you can actually find those diamonds in the rough. Mm. You know, No one's mining like finished diamonds. You have to come up with a lot of dirt too. Right. And so I felt like being able to create that event focus um, what was the way to getting people more engaged and having a greater variety? So then, how do you see? Um, uh, because like you're in a growth stage right now, you're trying to um, grow usership. Like, how do you see a fully fleshed out scene working? Like to you know someone who downloads the app, however many months from now or whatever. Like, how would it work for them? Yeah. So, so like I said, when we initially started doing all this work, I was like, okay, how do we? help news organizations get better access to this content. And we figured out a way of, you know, helping them verify and license and do all that stuff quickly. But the problem really becomes that then we have to get the content originally submitted to scene for us to be able to have the rights to be able to pass it on. And so, you know, we couldn't just come up with, you know, Instagram, but you might be able to sell your content. Nobody wants that. So we had to come up with what's missing in the current social media climate that uh, we might be able to address. And, most people, especially you know, in our age group, uh, later 20s, earlier 30s, are, are getting really fed up with what they're seeing on Instagram, on Twitter, especially on Snapchat, um, about just uh, the, the day-to-day you know, nonsense of what people are doing, what they're eating, selfies, things like that. It's, it's, it's photos without real content. But is it fair to just dismiss it as nonsense? Because it's, it's relevant to somebody. Don't right? get me wrong. It's enjoyable. Right. But it's just the value of the content is very low. And there's a lot of people that while that's perfectly happy and they want to see what their friends are doing every moment of the day, um, there's also a ton of people that are underserved by the current offering. Mm. And I felt like I was one of those. And a lot of my friends kind of was getting to that level of frustration where, you know, they'll open Instagram, they'll open Snapchat, and they see nothing that they find interesting consistently day after day after day. Um, And I think that's where we saw that there was an opportunity. And I looked like fundamentally, 
the problem why you never see all these cool events happening on the city is because if your friends didn't go there, you're not going to see it. Mm. And that's, there are a few aggregators and things like that, but realistically, you'd have to know all those cool profiles to follow. And even then, then you start getting too much content. And these platforms were never designed for you to really know all the cool things happening around you. So it's not made for your interest as much as they're made for you to know what your friends are doing. And that's, that's, that's kind of the crux of how um, social media is set up. It's about what your friends are doing mm. and you get to see it even if it's interesting or not. Mm. So we took a step back. We're like, okay, I think I'd rather focus something around our interests. So we ask you, especially when you sign up, like, you know, uh, what types of things are you interested in? What type of events? Some people are interested in sports, some people in breaking news, some people in like culture, like fashion shows and whatnot. And so you get to really sp- specify these are the things that I'm more interested to know. And I don't need to know have friends who went there, but I want to know what these events were like and experience them a little bit. Uh, and then we add another layer to it of what cities do you want to follow? Um, most people at this point have lived in a different city at some point, and they would like to maintain some sort of like connection with that city, but they're not going to start reading the local news in five different cities, especially in like I, since I did my exchange in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. I'm not, I can't even read the local news because I can't read the language. So right. I would like to have some sort of connection to the daily events that happen there without having to, um, you know, go through all that effort. And so, that's what we try to do with scene feed you the content of events that match your interest and really show you all the things that are happening that you might never have known about it's more of an eye opener as opposed to the same sort of dribble so to allow people to discover right like so on your on on scene on the platform you can't get followers right no you can't no we we made that decision on purpose we uh we don't want to have you know influencers Mm -hmm. um and I understand there's there is some value to that. And I think Instagram has done that perfectly well, and there's no point in us trying to take them on in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens with influencers, especially if you look at some celebrities or whatnot, is that they can post anything that's whatever, kind of stupid. I think the most liked picture in Instagram ever was a picture of a, a Pepsi bottle. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so the problem then becomes if there's a really interesting event those even the people further down the the scale of influencer whatever they post will rank higher by just you know that's just the math if a small percentage of their users like them mm-hmm. they'll have more absolute likes than someone normal so that gem gets buried under exactly and so that really cool footage for the person who doesn't post often is you know but finally saw something interesting that gets missed yeah so we took more of the the, the reddit approach where it doesn't matter who you are it's the thing you post and the piece of content that has to speak for itself otherwise um otherwise it just gets buried so and um so even when you post you either post it you i understand you can post anonymously right like no one has to know who you are who's yeah i mean the initial thought behind that was back to the whole breaking news and i was thinking about it like that let's say you see something with cops or like something that looks gang related or something you just feel really uncomfortable being part of you're like i should be sharing this Mm. you don't want to post that on any of the accounts that are linked to you so a lot of the times that type of footage just gets lost. Mm. Um, but if you can post it anonymously, then there's no real repercussion on you personally. Mm-hmm. Um, it could still get licensed to the news organizations, which that, that could be a benefit. But yeah, we want to kind of make it easier for you to put whatever you see out there. And then it, it kind of also goes away from, it doesn't only have to just be something risky. Mm-hmm. It could just be a lot of people don't like posting on Instagram just because you know, you're self-conscious, all that pressure that comes from, coming up with a witty caption and the right hashtags and all that stuff. And a lot of people are just like, you know what? I want to kind of share this and see if people would be interested in it, but I I don't want to 
get judged by all my friends. Yeah. So they just don't share. So by doing this and just get, being able to put it out into the community, it makes it a lot easier for people to kind of take that step. And we've seen a lot of our posting just be done anonymously because of that. There's a lot of people who just don't want to post on Instagram. They'd rather just post it here. And would you say that... Um, so it, if it's it's almost like saying, I'd like to... If I see something cool and I think someone else out there in the world would find this cool, so I'm just going to share it. That's basically the premise of it, right? Yeah, there, there, there's things you want to show your friends, and that's fine, and all the current platforms are great at that. But there's things sometimes you're like, I think everyone in the city would like to see this, you know? Mm. If, if I think about like when, when Drake did his like outdoor concert in the parking lot like around my place the other year, that's the kind of thing where it wasn't largely advertised. So I'm sure there's a ton of people who would have loved to be able to see that on a map and or would have appreciated a good video of that. Mm. Oh, speaking of which, so you say map, like this is geolocation. So meaning... It, um, meaning that if someone is in an area and wants to know, so again, just talk me through the app fully formed, you know, however many months down the line or whatever, like what happens when someone comes from, let's say, so t- let's say I'm, I'm a tourist from, not even I'm a tourist, I'm here on business. I'm from New York. So mm-hmm. I arrive in Toronto, boom, I'm staying at an Airbnb. Um, and uh, and that was an Airbnb plug, by the way. It was not an Airbnb <laughs> plug. I'm just, you know, so you're staying and then you, you're in a neighborhood um, and you want to find out, what's going on right so you open up the app what what happens like will it so i mean like if you'll after you've already started using it i mean the first thing is just going to be a feed of the events that matter to you um and so you'll have like the the top events that everyone in the world is seeing mm-hmm. and then the the events curated to just the things that you're interested in whether specific artists certain venues you want to follow whatever and that's we're kind of building that part out but yeah there's a map view so you can see what are the top events that kind of either happened in the past around you the past day the last week the last year you can kind of explore different cities Mm -hmm. and then we're also adding so you can see what are the top events happening that will be upcoming today around you so it's also partially a discovery tool to kind of get to see you know what will be happening around you because a lot of people do travel and they don't know who to reach out to otherwise and Mm. because we do the whole thing visually there's not as much reading so you're never that confused if you don't know the language either right so it's almost like there's two feeds. There's like the timeline uh, global, which is like, I guess, maybe what's trending or something like Yeah, the top events from posted by anybody in the world. Okay, and then the point. other one is the more curated one according to the interest that you... Exactly, think. so okay. you get exactly what you're looking for there. If all you do is, all you really care about in the world is just following two specific artists, then that's all you'll get if they're on tour. Okay, okay. Um, and so in you know in, in building in building scene um i'm sure you've had a you've had you've spoken with people whether it's you know prospective investors and so on and so forth what's that experience been like like here in toronto i mean i haven't i've tried to avoid that as much as possible until i think we reach a a more developed stage um just because you know the, the vc market in the in canada is not that risk loving so mm. they, they want to see something that's pretty much already fully making revenue before they want to put money uh, into it but where we are i think that you just try to appeal to people on the vision I, I think there's a lot of the people who who understand that they they're not interested in what's going on around them uh, and, and sorry and they're not interested as much in what their friends are doing they're not mm. interested in baby pictures as much but they do still want to be in touch with events that are happening around them and I, you can kind of look at you know at this point, most people in the Western world have Facebook and then Facebook mobile as well. It's just, and those are kind of people that, you know, have a decent understanding of what social media is Mm -hmm. and have a smartphone. Right. Right. And then you look at the people who have Instagram and Snapchat and then on that are on the more like, let's see what my friends are doing. 
and then on the the more Twitter type or Reddit types on the other side, which is let's see what the world is doing. Even if you you kind of assume a little bit of overlap for those, there's a huge chunk left unserved, right? And that mm-hmm. just kind of showed me that there's a lot of people who look at the current offering and social media and just no, no, nothing's that interesting. And so that's that's kind of who we're trying to target. And if you find an investor that kind of fits within that and feels a little bit underserved by all these other platforms, they get the idea and then they're more willing to uh, to explore it with you. Yeah, and I think um, just to follow up on that, I think what I wanted to find out was your take on um, just innovation in Canada. I mean, we do we are in Toronto and just, I guess, things you've noticed and just, um, yeah, what's, what's, what's your take on, on innovation, whether it's supported, whether it's, uh, not supported um it's it's getting up there i i think most of the headlines you'll read that you know that's it this is silicon valley of the north and all that are a little bit premature um and people are celebrating far 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 too quickly uh there's still a lack of capital at the seed stage that you know it's not like in, in the valley where you just have a pretty well researched idea and you'll get someone to kind of back it back you a little bit you kind of have to walk around very slowly around here until you can get to a point where you've de-risked it enough for the appetite of the the investors here which are are much more risk averse than you'll find i guess in the states Mm. um and so it just like anything else it's it's many many years behind where the valley is but it's it's improving um but on the entrepreneurship side like there's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas who want to try things out and so definitely on Maybe on on the ecosystem from the investors, it's not there yet, but on, on the appetite from a lot of people wanting to try things and wanting to put their hand towards something, I, it's it's increasing very, very quickly. And um, what do you say needs to happen or what you would like to see happen in terms of just that um, innovation and, I guess, spirit of enterprise being uh, encouraged to, to, to grow or to have a conducive enough environment for that's the kind of thing you just you can never really rush um like of course i'd like to see more uh the investors kind of get a bit more realistic with how startups have to grow uh you know expecting a company to have uh, like a track record of monthly recurring revenue is unrealistic uh you know if you're building a small business yeah you can expect that if you're trying to build a tech startup that's not a realistic uh, expectation and so it seems that there's a bit of a uh, misalignment Mm. with the views uh, but from people, it's 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 increasing. Um, it's there's nothing that it'll just it has, it's one of those things that has to happen over time. You know, more as more people have exits, more mentors will get formed. It's just you have to let the you know the life cycle kind of go through a couple of cycles. Mm. But you would say that definitely in your I guess interactions with other um, tech startups or founders that there there is a lot of incredible talent in the city, right, or in the country. Yeah, no, for sure, and and Toronto is. I mean, I moved here six years ago when <laughs> I wasn't that in love with the city after Montreal. I mean, Montreal is a lot of fun, uh, but it's much, much better now. And I think most of the people who have stayed here have really, really enjoyed it. And it's growing at an incredible pace. I mean, part of it's all the buildings that are going up. But with that comes more people living downtown. And that comes more nightlife, more things going on, more culture. It's it's growing extremely quickly. So now, like, Toronto is actually a great place to be. And so because of that, people want to stay here. People have talent. Uh, it's not there wasn't an, an instant exodus as there was before. Mm. And so again, it's, it's, it's definitely getting there. And as, as expensive as the Valley is becoming to live in Toronto offers like a great compromise of like great lifestyle. It's definitely affordable. The, the whole thing is growing nicely for entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, and so like if people want to find out more about scene, um, what's the website? I mean, the website's uh, scenemedia.io. 
Um, that's mostly just like a landing page giving you a little bit of information about what we do. But and that's seen S E E N, right? S E E N, yeah, not to be confused with the, the Cineplex one. <laughs> okay. Um, but I just recommend going trying out the app. Uh, it's very green. You'll see it's called Scene Event and Use Media. Um, in the app, this is just like in the app in the app in, store. In the right? app store. So right now we're just iOS, but uh, hopefully we'll get Android in the next couple of months as well. Okay. And then uh, yeah, playing around with it, checking out what events are happening around you, posting to it. So. You can kind of share any cool concerts or whatever that you attend. And everyone loves seeing whenever something new gets posted. So as soon as we start really building up that community, it's just going to be a lot of interest for everyone. And um, so since so it's just in the Canadian app store right now, when do you you know anticipate it going, I guess, if not in the U.S. or global? I, I think we're planning on uh, opening up to the whole all, all the app stores around end of summer. Okay. We're really just using the next little bit of time to kind of keep testing it out with the Toronto market, seeing what everyone else thinks, and then flushing out all the bugs and then just doing a nice uh, solid launch uh, in the States and then abroad. Okay. Okay. And um, on so in terms of any sort of like social media, other social media, like the inst- uh, scene, Instagram, it's, that's all on the website? Yep. That's all there. It's at the bottom. You'll, you'll find everything else there. Okay. But that's all it really is. It's just that people need to get on it test it out and kind of realize one of the things that we did when during the sign up phase like we ask you what kind of events you're interested in but also interesting we give you a, a long list of kind of interesting cities and it's done all randomly it's not alphabetical or anything like that or by any specific uh list to kind of just flip through and realize how many really cool cities there are in the world that i would love to kind of just go to and be able to see what's going on there I think it's a, it's an instant refresher that there's so much going on outside of the you know the daily bubble that everyone lives in mm. And being able to kind of quickly consume it and just see, oh, that's interesting, that's interesting. There's just so much we're missing out on, and that's what we're trying to, you know, to bridge. So it's almost like spinning, spinning a globe atlas, and then like zooming in and just taking a peek at whatever. You can totally do that. You can, yeah, you'll be able to zoom to whatever city and see whatever events have happened there, um, and are, are are happening currently. And it's it's kind of like think about how many. There's definitely some artists that we all really really love, but. You know, you don't even really think about them until they come to your area. Right. Um, and sometimes they don't. They just skip the city you're in. And it'd be kind of cool if you could see what their shows were like in different places all around the world. Because, you know, while they might have a similar set, it's always going to be a different experience. And it'd be kind of interesting to be able to see the footage from those people who are there. Wow. You know, I think um, just tying in with the theme of the show, um, can you imagine? It's amazing how something that began as a little seed of an idea um has grown into like an actual product. I mean, what was it like getting into the app store? You know, honestly, it's, it's not that bad. They're, they're pretty quick about telling you um, if there's anything wrong. We didn't have, a, I think, a proper link to our privacy policy mm. when we did our application. So it was one of those things that held us up. But they're, they're pretty lenient about the whole thing as long as you follow everything that they prescribe. Mm. Um, but yeah, once you're there, it's interesting to be able to just actually go and search for it and find it. And, you know, when you're talking to somebody and, it's more than just an idea. You could just say, oh, you know, go try it out. It's on the App Store right now. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of people who talk about starting something and building it and that never makes it to that level. So a lot of people tend to be very surprised when I said, yeah, it's on the App Store now. You can go try it out. Yeah. No, and you did that. And, you know, salute to you t- for doing that. And uh, thanks so much for coming uh, thanks for having on me. the show. And uh, best of luck with Scene. Um, I have no doubt at all that... Uh, with with user growth, it's going to be something that's going to be adding a lot of value to a lot of people's lives. So um, thank you once again, Andre. And uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. 
Um, please, you would do us a huge solid by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, we'd like to once again thank our sponsors, Scene. Um, you can check out their website, scenemedia.io, to find out more about it. You can download the app in the App Store and just tell a friend to tell a friend. And look out for the next episode. We're going to be speaking to another incredible person. Can't tell you who just yet, but it's going to be dope. Thank you so much. Peace. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.